just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob K, and I got Callie Alpert on the line. What's up, Callie? Good evening, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm in Tarpon Springs, Florida. I'm already having, well, I don't want to jump the gun, but... I'm having an interesting Valentine's Day evening. How are you doing? Yeah, you know Callie. She goes to Tarpon Springs, Florida once a year or not, whether she needs to or not, you know? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's Sure, why not? Yeah, that's Uh, actually not the one place that you go to. (laughs) It's not the one place that I go to. (laughs) So Callie is out of town on business, and tonight we're doing a remote show. And, um, yeah, it's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to everybody. We welcome everybody to the show. Um, And, yeah, Callie, I was thinking, just to start off the Valentine's Day episode, I was wondering, who is your first crush? Do you remember your first crush? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes, I do. Should I say his full name on, on the radio? Maybe just his first name. His, this is so funny because I, my whole childhood was just riddled with unrequited crushes. That was my love life when I was younger. Yeah, it hasn't changed that much as I've gotten older. <laughs> um, um, his his name his name was um, is was Jeff. He was someone that I went to uh, Sunday school with, and he was sort of a. Um, curly, dark-haired guy with rosy cheeks, and I thought he was the most handsome thing I had ever seen. And I've thought about him since and wondered where he is. So you've never talked to him since then? No, because he was part of my Sunday school circuit. He wasn't part of my regular, you know, like um, elementary or grammar school or high school group of people. So it wasn't somebody that I was actively in touch with even when we were kids. Right, right. You're like, hey, yeah, I want to look you up on Facebook. Remember when we were learning about Noah's Ark? <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now that we're talking about him, when I when we're done with the show, I am complete. I am going to absolutely Google him. Yeah, yeah. What the what the heck, you know? But uh, yeah, that first cr- that first crush is so special, isn't it? I. Um... <laughs> That's a nice word to use. Maybe you're, I want to hear your story because it sounds like yours was. I had so much, like I said, unrequited pain over my crushes because I was just so painfully socially inept and didn't really have, um, I guess I had a few little boyfriend suitors, but my sister was the cool hot chick in the family, so she had the suitors showing up at the door. I was the one who was just, you know, bleeding. On a Saturday night, bowling. Right, right. I had some Saturday nights like that in high school. So, and I can, I can relate. Um, yeah, my first crush was actually, I guess, it was kind of like my first girlfriend when I was in middle school, and her name was Jessica. And I knew Jessica in fourth grade, and we were just friends. And then in fifth grade, we kind of crossed over into you know, being boyfriend, girlfriend kind of stuff, passing notes and making plans with each other. And, uh, yeah. And so it's so funny because I saw her once when I was in high school, I went back to visit Terrytown where I grew up and I saw her then. And then I, I hadn't seen her in over 20 years and I looked her up. I was like, Oh, I just wonder, you know, not even to see if there's any romance there or, you know, just to remember the past. It was more about just seeing what she was up to, you know, and we actually had coffee, I think a couple of years ago and it was really great to see her. And it was so, it was sort of special sitting across from this woman, you know, she's now a woman who was this little girl that I was friends with when we were kids, you know? Did you feel, did you still understand how you had had those feelings for her when you were younger? Um, a little, you know, I think, you know, the, the conversation was so adult, 
uh, that, you know, yeah, I, I think it was more innocent when we were younger. Like I remember when we were in fourth grade, um, we kind we kind of liked each other, you know, just even being friends, just being around each other. Cause you know, in fourth grade, you just like hanging out. And I remember that we were doing square dancing, the fourth grade class. And there was a big square dance event, like a big square dance that they were putting on. And I got partnered with another girl and she got partnered with another guy. And we talked the teacher into switching, letting us switch so we could be partners in the square dance. Whatever, whatever came of her. I, first of all, what kind of a square dancer were you and how did you do? Did you impress her? Actually, yeah, yeah we did a good job. You know, in, when you do something like that in, in fourth grade, like you practice a lot because like they want the kids to do well, I guess. So, yeah, it was good. It was good. We had fun. And, uh, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was really good seeing her. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll talk to her again sometime. But, you know, she's married, has kids. And, you know, I was just glad that things are, are working out for her. You know, it was just nice to see her again. Yeah, I feel it now. I, I'm having a, a rush, a flood of all of my old school grade crushes, and I'm gonna. When we're done tonight, I'm going to try to find every single one of them now out of curiosity. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, I gave you something to do after the show. See, that's what happens when you're in Tarpon Springs, Florida. I need something to do. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So. Um, so tonight, yeah, talking about um, our topic, which Callie will get to, but I'm in the studio here, and she is in Florida, and I'm actually running the board tonight again, which is great, and giving Sam a night off so he can j- enjoy tonight with his wife, Hong, and, and um, you know, just have a good time. Uh, and uh, it was so cute. Before they left, because they, they left the station to go have dinner, um, and he said... Um, he said he said something to her and he he called her my dear and i just thought it was so cute it was like so old fashioned you know i liked it it was nice and then there's you and me yeah. who are in our respective lonely rooms <laughs> <laughs> and this wah, is a setup wow welcome to the robin Kelly show valentine episode <laughs> And this is actually perfectly appropriate for setting up what the topic of the show is tonight because we decided we were going to do not the anti-Valentine show per se, but the, you know, you do, the, whenever you see anything on television or in the media or on the radio, whatever it is, leading up to Valentine's Day, it's about how you celebrate it with your partner, with your loved one, with your lover, whomever. And... So we've decided that we're going to do the counter-programming to that, which is singleness and what it's like to be single on Valentine's Day, right? That's right. We are the spokespeople tonight for being single on Valentine's Day. And already it's appropriately, um, or I should say, fitting for what my evening has been because I got I flew down here to uh, Tampa a few hours ago. Right. And I went to get a little bit of an outdoor fix. I just wanted to feel like I was where I was and see something pretty, be by the water, do a little exercise. Given the next few days, that won't be possible. And then I wanted to find, I don't have a car. My colleagues who came a little after me have the rental car. And so I was intent on getting some quick food and coming back to my hotel room so that I could be on time for our show. Yeah. But because I forgot it was Valentine's Day and I went to, like, the closest sushi restaurant up the street, I had the taxi driver wait for me so I could run in and do what I thought would be a very quick takeout order. And it was packed, and it was, like, a 45-minute wait. So I came back to my room with, like, really no other options about what to eat except what I can dig out of my purse. (laughs) So you talk about a want-want for Valentine's Day dinner, not only... Am I not eating dinner tonight? But I forgot that part of the reason I'm not is because all the restaurants are so busy. <laughs> You're like, it's a Wrigley's kind of dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those hotels like on the highway where, you know, they have the uh, the quote unquote sort of, um, you know, like snack area where you can get right. a bat, you know, a cup of soup and stick it in your microwave in your room. It's one of those kinds of places. Right. So. You're like Cheez-Its or Oreos. What's more Valentine-ish? Exactly. 
<laughs> What's more Valentine's Day? Yeah. What's his Valentine's Day more than... Um, so, yeah, so that's our topic for tonight. I think I told you earlier that a friend of mine uh, a few hours ago texted me and told me that it's Singles Awareness Day. All right. Which apparently I didn't, you know, in, in my all of my research of five minutes before we went on the air was made, was created as sort of a fun, kitsch kind of, um, you know, antidote to Valentine's Day. Right. So that single, single people could have a little bit of a laugh and, you know, have a little bit of fun. Right. <laughs> it's so much fun being single. <laughs> um, so, but I think... I told you, you know, earlier, the, one of the reasons, in fact, when I first thought about this topic for tonight, it really wasn't in, to coincide with Valentine's Day. It's just the way it worked out. But it was something um, that was spurred on by a group of people. I, I was on a shoot out of town a few weeks ago, and we were doing a very nice story and at one point in the day, we were working with a handful of children. And so one of the local crew guys said to me, do you have kids? Asked me if I have kids. And I said, no. I always thought I would, and I love children, and I was enjoying that day a lot. I said, do you? You know, he said, no, never been married, don't have kids. And he was probably about the same age, you know, probably in his early mid-50s. And... Meanwhile, everyone that we were surrounded by, all the people that I'm working with are 20-somethings and 30-somethings are all married, and um, if they're in their 30s, everyone that I'm around has kids in this particular gig that I'm doing. Right. So it reminded me of what a rare breed it is to not have any, you know, just the way people look at me when I tell them. Um, that, you know, whatever, that I'm in my early 50s and that I haven't been married and don't have children um, when when we're living in our bubble in New York City, and most of my friends are all, many of my friends are also single or and or don't have children, uh, I don't think much of it day to day, except <laughs> you know except for the part of me and just you know emotionally on certain days where you know you want things to be different or you're looking forward to finding the person that person. But when you're out of your bubble and you're just sort of meeting strangers and that's one of the guidelines by which you're being sort of, um, I wouldn't say judged, but kind of sized up, it's like, holy cow, like real, you know, really, really begin to feel like a minority, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And, um, you know, I think as we get older, maybe the pressure gets a little greater or maybe... You know, I was thinking about this topic, you know, like, what am I going to talk about tonight to be as transparent as I can be about being single? And I was like, yeah, I can analyze it from all these different angles. And in another way, I can't really explain it. The time just isn't right. For whatever reason, I'm still single. I'm dating. You know, I'm trying to attract an available woman who's ready for a guy like me and to be as available for that woman as I can be. And it just hasn't happened yet. So, um you know, that's that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. But we're going to have a lot more time to talk about this when we come back from the break. All right. So, Callie, we will be back soon. Everybody else, we will be back soon. Thanks for listening tonight. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rob and Callie show. Tonight, we're talking about being single on Valentine's Day. And for all the listeners who are like, I'm not single, I'm in a relationship. I've been married for years. You know, how can I make use of this episode? Well, it's not just for only the single people who hopefully can get some sort of inspiration from us or maybe just identify with what we're going through, what our experience is being single, but also for the people that are in relationships who aren't single, maybe you can remember your single friends and kind of, you know, hear a different point of view of what they're going through. Or maybe you can just be glad that you're not single and remember what it was like when you were single and that you're grateful you're in a relationship now. How's that? I can see the smile on your face as you're saying that, like in my mind's eye. I can hear you smiling. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, I just want to welcome everybody to the show. Everybody can relate to being single. Everyone's been single at some point in their life, you know, so I think it's something we we all can identify with. Um, 
So, but as far as what you were saying, Callie, you know, with being older and everything, you know, I remember, and I was talking to some friends about this today. And by the way, I just want to say that one of the self-growth things for me, you know, we talk about growing as a human being and sort of like learning different things about life and different experiences with life. I used to really be attached to Valentine's Day. I'm a really romantic guy. I have this romantic side to me. And I used to get really bummed out about being single on Valentine's Day. And I've been single more times on Valentine's Day than not. And, um, and I think as I get older and as I work on myself more, I kind of detach from being so attached to this one day. Uh, and and I kind of just try and appreciate the love that I have in my life. And I actually had a really great day hanging out with some friends and talking to you, talking to other friends, and then doing the show tonight, you know? And to me, it's like such a full life I have other than the fact that I'm not in a relationship. And I think for me that even though I'm older and sometimes, you know, I get a little bummed that I am single or I get lonely between nine and 11 at night can be tough sometimes. Sunday nights, you know, I get the Sunday night blues sometimes. And it's like, even though I go through that, I'm just so grateful for having such a full life where I'm not so attached to having a relationship anymore. And from what I hear, that's when you meet somebody. Word on the street is when you let go, it's when people show up, right? Right. <laughs> um, God, so much to I'm trying to so much to say. It's like it's so loaded and it's so deeply in my bones because I've probably been more single than than coupled in my life. Yeah. And as I get old, you know, sometimes I wonder, like when I was in my twenties and thirties, did my relatives? What the, and, and they could see that I mean I had boyfriends along the way that they met um, <clears throat> but it wasn't it wasn't the norm for me typically I was like the single cousin that would show up to the family events so you know you start asking is there something wrong with her is she closeted gay and she doesn't want to talk about it is there like some re-, you know and then I think people just start getting used to you showing up single yeah. and it just becomes um, you know, norm. But what I've realized is that I do that to myself too, where I've gotten so used to it yeah. that I sometimes forget to work on it or pay attention or open myself up or take more effort to date. And it's not because I've ever been consciously um, that I've consciously preferred being alone because I love being in relationships. I've lived with plenty of boyfriends, and I always enjoy that cohabitation thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I've, I've caught myself a few times in recent years, like the more time goes by where I'm more single than not, and where I feel like it becomes what I'm accustomed to, then I almost have to remember to make it a, more of a priority. And I think sometimes when you're trying to get other aspects of your life together, your work, your money, your spiritual life, whatever it is, you know, sometimes there's just not the same amount of space or priority given to that. Um, but, you know, I also know that, like, I think back to people that I know that have been married or coupled up for a long time, and I remember knowing them as singles where they'd say, this is the year I'm going to meet my husband, and they did. Right. Or I can't wait to meet my partner, and, you know, I'm excited for that to happen. And it was, you know, or I'm going to date X, you know, X amount and give themselves almost like make it into a, a full-time project because that's so much of a priority. And I've always been someone who kind of let love come to me a little more organically. Right. Um, and perhaps that doesn't work. Perhaps it really is something that needs to be efforted a little bit more. You know, I've just never believed in that. I've always believed that it shows up when it's supposed to and that there's lessons that you need to learn and that, you know, um, yeah, and that, there, you know, sometimes it's just it isn't time for a million reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is something to be said about that, you know, when we're not so attached to it or we're not putting so much pressure on it because it's all about the vibe. You know, we talk about this on the show a lot that it's all in the vibe. You know, it's how I'm feeling about myself. And a lot of times, you know, when I've dated women, it's sort of, they're a mirror for me. And it's like, how, how am I feeling about myself? What kind of woman am I dating? What kind of women am I attracting? And then sometimes it can be random. 
Sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily just that. Um, I was thinking about how when I was, um, and, and I just want to say this because, Callie, you were talking earlier about, you know, people saying, what's wrong with me? And then people judging or critiquing or trying to come up with reasons why someone's still single and at the wedding by themselves or whatever. And it's like, you know, if you're single, you're not weird. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just for whatever reason, you haven't met someone yet. And let's say, I'm so glad I remembered this, Callie. Let's say that you don't want to meet somebody. Let's say that you like being by yourself and you don't want to be in a relationship. Great. Let's say that you're in a relationship and you really like being in a relationship. Great. Let's say that you're single and you have a desire to eventually be in a relationship where you can settle down and make a home with someone. Great. Meaning, I think it's all great. Wherever anyone is at, it's all about just sort of accepting where we're at, enjoying our life as much as we can, and then if we have goals, fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that traditionally, and again, I don't know if this is just me and my own justification for my own status. Right, right. But I do think that societally, it's uh, people that aren't coupled up have often been judged. Yeah. Why is it that they've gone this long without being in a relationship or with a partner or what's wrong with them? Or, you know, plenty of times I've heard women say, oh, stay away from him. He's 45 and he's never been in a long-term relationship. That clearly, you know, says something and is a determinant of things to stay away from. Yeah. And then women are get let off the hook. We just, you know, haven't found the right person. But I think that it's just often used as a barometer or gauge of your value and your desirability. And I think that that's not, you know, that's not accurate or the coolest way to kind of assess people, especially when you look at what the divorce rate is and how many people feel like they needed to find their way into relationships very young to check it off the proverbial checklist, only to realize that 15 or 20 years later, they're stuck in a really unhappy relationship with kids and mortgages and things that are harder to break out of because they never took the time to stand on their own or get to know themselves um, earlier on so that they could find people where that might be more healthy and compatible for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I say is I'd rather be alone than in a lonely relationship. Amen, brother. Yeah. And it's like and and I've learned that. And that's, you know, I look around and there are people that are partnered up sometimes and and they're always fighting or they just don't seem that happy, you know. And I really want to be happy when I'm in a relationship, not all the time, but I'd like to have a foundation of joy. I'd like to have a, a foundation of compatibility, you know, in lots of different ways. You know, I've talked about this. I think I talked about this the last time we had a sex and love show, Callie. But I talked about it took me a long time to learn that there was a difference between sex and affection and intimacy, that they kind of were all the same thing and they all were different things, you know. And it it took me a while to figure out what I like in a woman, what I like in a partner, what I like in a girlfriend. And what do I like about myself that I think I can bring to the table and offer in a partnership? And I think that that's something that comes with being a little bit older is we get to know ourselves better. We calm down a little more. We can get in touch with ourselves and to not get so caught up in the emotion. We still do. You know, we're human. But I think that. I don't know. I think I'm a better partner today than I've ever been. And so I think I'm, I'm more ready than I've ever been when I meet the right girl. Absolutely. I think that a lot of times, it, I think it's a combo platter, you know. I mean, I, re, I remember meeting someone um, a, a few years ago, somebody that I know who uh, lives in a town that I hang out in a lot. And... The very first in the f- first five minutes, he asked me why I don't have a boyfriend. And I often get that reaction from people. There's like this shock and awe. How can, you know, a woman, and I guess they deem reasonably human <laughs> and still and still upright to not have. <laughs> Callie, come on. You're being modest. You have so much more to offer than that. Thank you, my dear. Yes. So... Uh, you know, and I said to him, I said, I don't know, it's either that I've had a lot of lessons that I've needed to learn, 
or and or I've gotten so accustomed to it that it's the energy that I now project outward. I, I might pr- project something of a single person, so I'm not projecting an openness because my, you know, my defense mechanisms or my um, uh, being so accustomed to going through life on my own is the energy that people pick up on. Right. You know, so I think it can be a combo platter. Um, I know we probably have to go to break in a minute, but I think when you know, I um, well, you're the you're the engineer. I'm just a re- I'm just a remote office right now, so I don't want to. It looks like I, I just didn't want to um, get too into the next point if we had to uh, if we had to take a break. Yeah, no, we we got two minutes, so feel free to go ahead. Um, but you know, I was going to say that I think that relationships to me, there's nothing. I believe that our relation, our romantic relationships are 98% about healing whatever our wounds were from our families of origin and learning and holding up mirrors in our relationship with our parents, with our moms, with our dads, or what we saw, you know, what we bear witness to in terms of the dynamic that our mom and dad had. And I think that uh, it takes some of us longer to work through that or find partners, you know, some people find partners to continue to work through that together, you know, rather than doing it separately and then finding the person that doesn't, um, you know, repeat those patterns with you, Mm. you know, but I, um, like I can speak for me. I know that's a good reason that I've made choices that weren't the greatest choices for me for a long time is because I still had stuff that I needed to learn and to work out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, we have all those triggers and we have those patterns that we repeat from childhood and the work is deactivating the triggers, getting to the hurt, you know, getting all the the energy out from our, our past, our childhood that still affects our present and our future where we keep those patterns going of attracting unavailable people because we're, un- we're unavailable and we're afraid of getting hurt or things like that. I was thinking today about that, I kind of like it, but it's also a little scary where I get to that moment in the relationship where I'm like, wow, like I really have to open my heart up and take a risk and be vulnerable. And that's scary. And, you know, where I've had to talk about that, like, look, I've been really hurt in the past and and I'm not great at this. And I'm trying to practice being open and vulnerable and uh, and just to open my heart again because it's been broken and it's healed, but it's still afraid of getting broken again, you know? And, and I think that takes a lot of courage. So with that, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Callie show. Tonight is the Valentine's day episode. We're talking about being single on Valentine's day. And <laughs> Isn't this fantastic? Actually, it is. I got to tell you something, Callie. I am so happy. I'm like a little kid in here, like playing radio. So this is great. You know, I'm I'm fine being single. I had a good day. Um, I wanted to get right into it, though. Let's get down and dirty, shall we? I really want to get into it and just always. Yeah, I want to talk about some specifics. You know, we talk. I'm talking in generalities, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get into it here. So when I was like. 20 to 23 years old I remember that all I wanted was a girlfriend I was obsessed with getting a girlfriend and and having that first real girlfriend I went through high school I was the shy guy and even in college I was a mess so I I really didn't have a chance at a, a real relationship there and then after college you know I started to get on a spiritual path and I thought if the better job I do on the spiritual path, the better girlfriend I'll get. Like that was my motivation for learning about a lot of this and getting into prayer and meditation and, you know, having a relationship with a higher power. I thought, you know, the better I get to know myself and, and the more that I focus on myself and my own life, the better girlfriend I'll get. And what I didn't realize is something that you talked about earlier, that I had a lot more wounds and a lot of stuff that happened when I was a kid and just maybe my nature in general, where it took me a lot longer than most to have that first real relationship. And I got kind of unconsciously brilliant at avoiding commitments and attracting women where they were unavailable and I'd chase them, or they were available just standing right in front of me, wanting me to be their boyfriend, and I would run away and then they'd chase me. And um, this went on for a long time, much longer than I thought when I was in my early 20s. 
And then in my 30s, I started to wake up to there's something going on here more than just I have bad luck or I'm not meeting the right girl. And that's where, you know, in therapy, I started to address some of the childhood stuff that, that you and I talk about. And the fact that I had a lot of grieving to do. I had a lot of sadness about hurt I experienced where my heart was broken as a kid and for different reasons and different family stuff and different life stuff. And I needed to spend time focusing on myself and grieving and getting all that sadness out so I could clear space for love to have a home. And so eventually, you know, then then I always thought I looked at at friends and I was like, I want a group of friends like that. I'm going to get a girl and then I'm going to get a group of friends like on friends. And what I didn't realize is that I had it backwards. Like I needed a group of friends like that. And specifically, not only girls who are my sisters, but a bunch of guys that were like my brothers. And eventually I met a bunch of guys like this and they're sort of my crew. You know, they're my 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 tribe and they're my brothers. And it's like I got so much love and support from them when I was going through a lot of therapy stuff and a lot of healing stuff. And I got so much support from my sisters in my life that eventually I kind of came out the other side. And then I attracted a woman into my life where she was available and I was available. And then I could have that real, long-term, meaningful, intimate, fun, sexy, crazy, enjoyable, kid-like relationship that I always wanted. So it took me a little longer than most, and I had a lot of shame about it for a long time. And then I realized, you know, it takes what it takes, you know, and I went through what I went through. And eventually I had that goal. I had that desire. I manifested it. I've experienced it and I can do it again. And so that has been a real blessing in my life. I, I, I'm going to get to the down and dirty stuff after you talk. I, I just wanted to say all that. Oh, I thought that was pretty good. I'm excited for the down and dirty part. There you go. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about a quote that Woody Allen once said. Um, it was something to the effect of love or marriage is simply two people with mutual, mutually, compa- uh, mutually compatible neuroses. So the way I always interpreted that is that... Um, you know, if you have, oh, gosh, there's so many examples. I'm just trying to come up with one good one. I think that some people work out their stuff with their partner. I think that some people drive away their partner with their stuff because they don't learn to walk through it together. And then I think that there's people to work out that work out their stuff on their own. And there's no right or wrong to any of it. So going back to the Woody Allen thing, Woody Allen, Woody Allen thing, let's just say that um, a woman was raised to feel like she needed to be really taken care of, that she wasn't comfortable um, standing on her own. She really needed someone to sort of guide her and carry her on her shoulders metaphorically and make the decisions and, um, you know, and, and uh, just sort of support her in that way. And, you know, the guy needed to be, who is, is a little controlling and, was, you know, needed to really make all the decisions and be in control and sort of rule the roost. You know, certain people would say that those are two, and again, this is not so with any judgment, those two people find each other, and that could potentially fit really well together because it's like puzzle pieces that um, complement each other. Other people would say, you know, or that that woman might say, you know what, I really want to learn how to be more independent, more self-starting, and more self-reliant, and there might not be space in that man's psyche for that, in which case that becomes inflammatory, and ultimately they might not walk through it together, and that's the demise of their relationship. Right. And then there's people that might have those exact same issues but work it out on their own or work it out because they both, you know, by having one relationship that doesn't work, going to therapy, whatever. But I think the thing is is that there, it's, it's fascinating. I believe we pull in, I mean, I can speak from experience, the people, the men that I've pulled in that hold up a mirror of the same pattern. Thankfully, it doesn't happen now because I've done so much inner work and really made a lot of commitments to myself not to repeat all patterns, but I was really good at it for decades um, in inviting in the exact same type of dynamic. And clearly it was because it was something that I needed to undo and something that I'd learned very early on. And 
so now, um, you know, I'm very intent on not repeating that. And I don't have a space for that kind of a person in my life anymore. And every once in a while, the universe will sort of plops those people in front of you just as a little test, yeah. just to see if, um, you know, if, you're, if you've learned your lesson or not. Um, yeah. But it's kind of fascinating. You know, it's like you could walk into the, you know, they say like somebody who might have, uh, I don't know, an addiction problem. You can walk into a room with a thousand people, you'll find the one person who has the same addiction, yeah. you know, yeah. um, if you haven't worked on your worked on your own stuff or, um, you know, you just like our antennas put out and attract what it is that we need to hold up a mirror to what our lessons and our, um, you know, our challenges are. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And I think you said the key word, it's about lessons, it's about learning. And, you know, I needed to learn a lot of lessons in order to be available for a healthy, loving relationship. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's important to just everybody, you know, to go easy on their, their go easier on themselves about this. You know, there's a lot of different complexities to relationships. And I think that. The goal is to find someone who's not going to run to the hills, but will stand with you when you're going through tough times or work through issues with you instead of running away. And it takes a special person to do that. You know, I remember a therapist told me that, you know, that I had really good physical chemistry with the woman. He's like, great, the kids and you like to play. But it's like during the emotional times, the tough times, you know, the adult in her, is she willing to stand by you? And, you know, it's a, it's a good question. Um you know, and, and I'm glad I brought up the physical because sex, you know, I think for me, it's like I had to learn that physical chemistry did not mean that I had other types of chemistry or compatibility with a woman. And there was a while there in my life where I would meet a woman, have crazy sexual chemistry and the sex was crazy and it may have been great in a way. But in another way, we weren't compatible in other ways. You know, we, we, there was nothing really to talk about, and we didn't have the same values. We didn't have the same interests. We didn't have the same goals. And so eventually, I got to a point in my life where just having sex with a woman, just to have sex, was an empty experience. And I just realized that one of the things that I needed, needed to practice in my life was to not have sex with women I didn't like or I didn't trust. And that was kind of a big deal for me. It was like, you know, I mean, it sounds so simple, right? It sounds so, like, logical. Like, of course you don't want to have sex with anyone you don't like or trust. But, you know, people do that sometimes. You know, we get lonely. We get horny. We just want to get laid. You know, maybe, you know, it just happens where the animal side in us just takes over. And there, there we are having slept with this person who we really didn't want to hang out with after we had an orgasm or after, you know, the next morning we wanted to leave as quickly as we could. And so it was an epiphany for me to realize that I didn't have to do that anymore and that it was sort of a way of not only taking care of myself but taking care of my long-term goal of meeting somebody where we really were compatible in lots of other ways than just in a physical way. Are you saying there's something wrong with that? <laughs> well, you know, once in a while, no. <laughs> uh, you know me well. <laughs> You, you know me well enough to know I've never really been big on the compartmentalization thing. I've had relationships that were crazy, crazy um, chemistry and mostly dominated by chemistry with, you know, a good amount of friendship and care in there, but really more about the chemistry. And then I would project all of my romantic fantasies onto this person because, you know, it's me and I don't, you know, don't they know that someone like me doesn't give it up unless it's, you know, unless there's something more um, substantial there. You know, I had a very hard time ever accepting that I could just be wanted by somebody really purely for sexual reasons and not because they wanted my heart and soul for, like, the rest of their lives, too. <laughs> it took me a very long time to learn that. Right. And um, But what's, what's strange is that, I, and I don't know, I've got to check myself on this one, is that I've actually caught myself a few times recently thinking that I could be okay in the short term, not in the long term, because in the long term I really do want a partner and someone to grow, grow old with and drive me around. Right. Um, help me help me when I fall down, literally. Um, 
but I, uh, I've, I've been thinking that maybe a little bit of the compartmentalized thing might not be so bad for me right now when I have so many other parts of my life that require more of my attention. Mm. You know, um, I'm telling you this for the first time, too, as someone who knows me intensely well, <laughs> that I, uh, yeah, I caught myself recently, like just a few days ago, thinking, huh, maybe I just need a little short-term fix right now. And then I'll get back to the bigger picture, and you know, in a little while. Yeah, which is something I've never, ever, I've never been that person. Right. So I don't know if that's an honor of Valentine's Day. No, just kidding. Um, but I, I've had friends also, some of my closest friends that are married, tell me that I romanticize the idea of marriage too much. Um, now, I don't know that these are marriages that, um, you know, if I'm talking about marriages that I necessarily would like to have, talking about one or two that um, I think by m- many people's standards would be considered difficult from the get-go. Right. So those are the people saying it to me. Right. But uh, And I know that these things take work, but, you know, there's a lot of... I never was one of these people that romanticized singleness or thought it was easier or the grass is always greener in the opposite scenario. Whatever you don't have is what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always wanted to be partnered, but there was a time, even, I don't know, maybe as recently as five, seven years ago, mm-hmm. where I probably come out of a relationship and I thought to myself, I... The idea of growing old alone brought me to my knees and broke my heart so deeply that I could not even accept the notion of it. Like, it was just not an acceptable option. Yeah, yeah. And it really, really broke my heart. And what will I do if, you know, I hit X, Y, Z age and that person's not in my life? Like, I can't even utter those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happens is, number one, you realize as you get just, you know, ideally a little bit more mindful and a little more surrendered about your life that, you know, things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. And the last thing you want to do is attach to and, you know, giving yourself like an ultimatum about something that you might not be able to totally control. Right. And so, you know, I shed all of that over the last few years. It's it's still something that I deeply want, but I don't lose sleep over the fact that I don't have it. And I don't feel that depth of pain that I have over the years that I don't, you know, that I'm single right, or, right. you know, I don't feel that sense of loneliness. And right. that's a how, really interesting we... revelation when you're sitting on a couch on a Thursday night watching a movie and you realize, you know what, I'm okay. I'm not actually craving someone being here sitting with me right now. Right. Right. Totally. Callie, we got to head to break. I totally hear you though. I'm not going to be the old guy eating soup by himself in a restaurant. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> that is not going to happen. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Callie Show. Tonight we're talking about being single on Valentine's Day. And I just wanted to offer something to everybody. I saw this chick flake the other night that I had never seen before. And I thought it was fantastic. I wanted to offer it to everybody. If you haven't seen it, Love Actually. Did you see that, Callie? I love that movie. I saw that when it came out years ago. And I don't remember it that vividly but i know that i really enjoyed it that's the one with all the different scenarios right yeah. different life yeah. of life scenarios all juxtaposed together yeah yeah such a fantastic movie great movie and um yeah it's just i don't know there's there, there's certain movies that are on that i have to stop and watch and that has become one of them there's something about that movie there is sort of magic in it the way it just all comes together as a film and um you know, I don't know. It was just a great movie. So I just want to suggest that to everybody who hasn't seen it. If after the show you got nothing to do or whenever you're listening to this episode and you feel like watching a movie, maybe watch Love Actually. So with that, Callie, you're, you're talking about before, you know, that fear of being single as an old person. And I really feel that God gives us desires for a reason or that we have these desires for a reason. And I don't think the universe is cruel and is playing a game with us or, you know, wants to sort of punish us or whatever, where we we have these desires, but they're not meant to be manifested. I think it's sort of like it just when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. 
and it'll happen when it happens. And, um, you know, just an example is my voiceover career. I gave up on this after years of trying at voiceovers. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just not meant to be a voiceover guy. Maybe I'll just be a life coach on the radio and that'd be great. You know, I still want to do that. And then all of a sudden, my agent goes to another agency and starts up a voiceover department there. And all of a sudden, I have more auditions than I've ever had in my life. And I'm getting such good feedback and response. And maybe part of it is that I've spent all these years practicing and learning the lessons like we're talking about with love. I learned about it with my craft. And now I'm a better guy to offer for jobs, you know, and gigs. So... I don't know. It's just something. It's sort of like when you let it go, if it's meant to be, it comes back to you. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, you know, so many people I think would consider, I'm not saying this to you, but I think a lot of people would consider that. It's 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 kind of become a very popular saying, and some people might look at it as a little trite, especially if they're in pain or they're feeling really frustrated with their love lives or their, you know, l- lack thereof. But I think it's really true. I think it's a matter of, number one, doing sitting with yourself and being comfortable in your own company and filling up your own cup as much as you possibly can, whether that is spiritually, emotionally, mentally, taking care of yourself, learning yourself, sitting with being uncomfortable with yourself, and also taking a look, a really close, honest look in the mirror at the kinds of relationships you've had and whatever patterns uh, repeat themselves and you know, therapy, whatever tools, your, you know, your minister, your rabbi, whatever it is that you need in order to really kind of get real about uh, whatever work you need to do in yourself. And then I also think at the same time, to your point, that it's really important to just let go and relax. And, you know, like it's what they say, when you when you least expect it, that's when the person shows up and they just get kind of placed in your path. And I know I've experienced them and I know other remarkable stories like that. Um, and then when you try too hard, then it's, uh, you know, often doesn't work. Um, and that's always been one of my reticence to like this online dating world, which I, I'm constantly fighting and pretending my way through because it's one of the big societal shoulds. It's how most people meet, and it's practical, and it's the way of the 21st century. But I have never resonated with it. It just doesn't jive for me. So I still, you know, I, I struggle with that because I feel like I should since it it increases the odds, and yet it's not the way I connect. I'd rather just live my life organically or be fixed up or uh, meet somebody through work or traveling or all the ways that it has worked for me over the years, you know? Um, So I'm going a little bit of a tangent from what you were saying, but yes, I think it's just about living your life, living it and being as whole as you can as a human being and also relaxing about the whole concept and just trying to have some fun, lightening up a little bit about it. Right, right, which is always what I'm trying to do. I I do the the Rob Self Care program, which is, you know, three times meditating, three times at the gym, three kinds of support during the week, and then I've added fun. It's like, so I keep a list of this just to make sure that I'm tending to the self-care stuff for myself, and I want to enjoy my life, even if I am single. You know, I've gone to meetup groups with single events and had a good Mexican dinner or just hanging out or, you know, watching a show. And it's like, if I didn't meet a girl, I didn't get laid. It's like, whatever. You know, I hung out. I had a good night, you know, and I'll try and enjoy it. That being said, I got to be honest, I'm not that great at being single. And there are nights that are tough. And there are nights where I want to, you know, just sort of like not pay so much attention to being a self-growth guy and doing the right thing or, you know, um, I don't know. It's like, you know, it takes discipline sometimes and sometimes it's just challenging, you know. And like I said, Sunday nights are tough for me. I used to make dinner with a girlfriend on Sunday nights. And, you know, when I don't do that, you know, sometimes it just makes me sad on a Sunday night. And I got to call friends or whatever, go out or do something. So I'm not that great at being single. I've been on so many first dates. I can't even tell you. And it's like, for me, a second date is a big deal. Like, oh, yeah, I want to go out with her on a second date. Or, yeah, she wants to go out with me on a second date. Like, that's actually, like, a big deal sometimes. And I just have to say, though, that about online dating, because, you know, I've been doing that again. Like, I dabble sometimes, and then I stop. And it's like, I think there's something about online dating that's great. I know many people that have met online, got married, have kids, you know, found their partner online and it was great for them. And 
at the same time that and and like you said maybe the stars align and they were ready to meet that person the other person was ready to meet them at the same time i think that online dating can be such a distraction in a way because there's so many different choices and even though i'm meeting available women you know i i have a very high standard compared to past girlfriends and, you know, I really want to meet somebody who I can hang out with in lots of different ways. And so I kind of look across the table and I'm, I'm like, you know, would they be a good friend? Like, you know, because I always say that a relationship, a romance starts friends first, you know, and that's that's the foundation of the relationship. And so um, what was I saying? Oh, so it's like, yeah. So, you know, I have a standard that I try and keep to and I'm attracting women who are available and nice and cute And, you know, I'm seeing what the chemistry is like because I'd like some chemistry there and I need some chemistry there. And at the same time, I've attracted so many unavailable women and so many women that are a mess in their life. And like some of them, not to judge them, but just looking at my own life, it seems like they're just getting ready to start to do the inner work that you and I are talking about. And maybe that's one reason why they meet me. You know, like on a date the other night, I gave some advice to a girl like she was a client of mine for life coaching. And and I just said to her, you know, look, like, I really think you need therapy. I think there's just no two ways about it. Like, this will help you so much. And then the next day she texts me. She's like, I found a therapist. Thanks so much. I'm so glad I met you. You know, I actually picked up a client on OkCupid once who's who is now one of my best clients. And we had a date. There wasn't a lot of chemistry. She called me a week later, said she really liked talking to me. And ever since then, she's been one of my best clients. So with online dating, you never know. (laughs) That sounds like that you told me a little bit about that date you had recently. And that just sounds like one of the most romantic things I've ever heard. I think you were like five minutes in and you were already... Um, realizing that you were crossing into friend zone and you're just going to be her counselor for the evening, right? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And I was so proud of myself that, you know, I didn't try and make out or I didn't do anything, make a move or anything. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to part ways as friends. I hope to help her out. I am so proud of you for containing yourself. Thank you. I'm a a gentleman. (laughs) Don't you know that about me? You are. Yes, I do know that about you. I try to be. Um, I'd also like to say to all of the all the Lonely Hearts and Lonely Hearts Club land out there, you know, there was a time when this kind of stuff depressed me, too, and where, you know, Valentine's Day, as much as for off for many, it's a silly Hallmark holiday. There's still the significance of, you know, love and the idea that, you know, it's nice to have the option to be with someone where you can laugh at it and not celebrate it together because you think it's so cheesy. Um, Callie, if just you to, don't, Callie, you know, just it can to... still... Did you get it? I'm sorry, go ahead. What Just to let say? you know, we, we have like a minute left. Okay. Um, so what I would say is for everybody, number one is to find where, you know, go where the love is. I write my I write my family members Valentine's that I send in the mail every year. You know, friends I call and tell them that I love them. Um, you know, try to do a nice deed for somebody that you're, you know, just a, whatever it is that makes you feel it could love. It could be sending love to, you know, other people in other parts of the world that you don't even know. I mean, love is a broad, vast thing, and it doesn't have to be about, you know, roses and chocolates, as lovely as that is, if it's a year that that's not what's happening for you. Yeah, yeah, and whatever's going on this year, good, bad, and different, next year could be totally different. So stay optimistic and keep looking for inspiration, love, and joy in your life. With that, this is the end of another episode of The Robin Callie Show. Callie, thank you so much for everything you said. It was a great show, and I'm so glad we were able to do this while you were away. Happy V-Day. Happy V-Day. Take care, y'all.